Thanks again for joining Users First at UX Design Podcast. I'm Alessio Fracudi, your host. And today we are having an extraordinary guest from the area of San Francisco. Her name is Catherine, and she's been working in the area of San Francisco as a UX writer and content strategist for some time now. Her experience is invaluable as she worked for some of the largest corporations in the Bay Area. And today she will be sharing with us some tips on how to get into UX writing completely from zero. In this episode, we'll put our heads together and talk about how it's possible to switch a career to UX writing and what kind of courses and uh, free resources are available for you. We'll also be talking about how you can build a portfolio as a beginner in UX writing, what you should focus your attention on when making a portfolio, and some final tips for uh, people who are uh, interested and eager to make this career change. Yeah, thanks for joining us, uh, Catherine. I appreciate you coming to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. It is pretty my pleasure to have you here today. What is it like uh, living in the San Francisco area right now? I know there's been some changes lately uh, since the, the lockdown has started. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I moved here just for, for my job at LinkedIn, and I worked for about seven months in the office, which was beautiful. Lovely campus there. Uh, and then shutdown happened, and all my coworkers were, you know, fleeing the city, like moving back in with their parents, moving coasts in some cases. Um, so yeah, I think, I think a lot of folks have, have left and I'm, I'm actually just about to leave. I'm closing on a house next week in Colorado. Yeah. So next week. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm very excited. Are you moving to another uh, condo or are you moving to uh, a house? A house. It's outside of Boulder. So that. Wow. Oof, such a life upgrade. Yes, that's the privilege of living outside San Francisco because you can you can get a garden without having to pay thousands and thousands of dollars. Yes, yes. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I even heard in San Francisco right now their uh, bars and pubs are um, are checking if people are getting vaccinated in order to let them in or not. Really? Well, I haven't been going to bars yet, yeah. so I cannot confirm or deny. I've just been like drinking at home, <laughs> like many. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I would like to say that I'm going to bars and pubs, but literally I'm just uh, buying whiskey like uh, on a weekly basis and drinking at home. I'm not going to like, <laughs> not not on a weekly basis, but uh, yeah. but pretty often. Yeah. I think I, I think the alcoholic um, the alcoholic consumption lately has been going up. Although we don't go to bars and pubs, but sometimes you feel like having a good drink at home with your partner or, or by yourself or with your family? Absolutely. I'm such a fan of like the vermouth of the wine subscription situation. Like what else? What else? Whiskey, of course. Yeah. I, I don't know why we're talking about this, but this is great. <laughs> yeah. This is really it's good. Like, um, uh, this is phenomenal. Yeah. There's this uh, brand of whiskey called Writer's Tears. It's really excellent. I recommend mm. it if you're going to write something and feel a way about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, one thing I usually do is, um, I'm in Italy right now. It's I was I was telling Catherine earlier that it's cold in over yeah. here. It's so hot, and sometimes some days I just I just feel like uh, going into the pool. I have a pool in the garden, so I just go there. I get my whiskey. I get a cigar, and I'm just gonna chill out. And whenever I feel ready to come back to work, I go back to luxury. Work. 
absolute luxury. Exactly. So I'm definitely going to check this whiskey out right now. I, you, you got my entire curiosity. Yeah. If you want to feel more like Ernest Hemingway, like, which who doesn't, the man loved cats, you know, go for it. I have to get a cat as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you go to wine tastings in uh, San Francisco? You know, I've only, so made, you're a big wine I've only managed to make one trip up um, to Sonoma and yeah, it was, it was lovely, but I do miss, I miss the Finger Lakes wine. Um, that was kind of where I got into wines when I was in school at Cornell, they have a whole class on it where you like get a little toasted wow. on a, on a Wednesday, but like you come out of college understanding what wines you like and what wines are good value. And, um, I just, I'll, I'll always love a good dry Riesling. That's, that's one of my tips. Yeah. Okay, that that's a very specific wine. Why do you like that, and what do what do you like to pair it with? Ooh, um, so rieslings are great with basically anything, uh, anything, just <laughs> alone. They're very <laughs> like floral and just lovely wines. Um, dry is really important because you can get a lot of trashy like sweet rieslings that are just mm. gross ew. Um, but yeah, it's a really it's a really popular style in like Germany. Um, and the Finger Lakes, because the the hills are like similar to the German hills and climate. The things Ooh. you learn. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I never heard of that. That's that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, well, also in Italy, we have a, a, a big variety of wines. Said I've um, heard you get to try here. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> I've, I've also tried. Uh, uh, yeah, we have like uh, lots of reds, lots of whites, lots of rosés, and there is a each each individual region uh, of Italy has a different wine. So oh, you get to try a lot of interesting things, and, and tastings are are beautiful. I had you know in that wines class, I had this one like transcendent moment. Um, it was in the Italian wines. Um, week, right? Where they serve you some Italian reds. I don't remember what the wine was, but they gave us a a hunk of Parmesan to eat while we paired it uh, with the wine. And, Mm. and it was my first experience, like understanding how wine can like activate the taste of the food and vice versa. And all of a sudden you're having this like incredible experience just with Exactly. Wine and food pairing. So yeah, I've got, <laughs> got a little place in my heart for Italian wines. Exactly. Yes. I definitely know what you're talking about. One of my favorite pairings, it's it's a very, very easy pairing, but you can do this at home or whenever you're going to the pub. Um, it's, a, it's a Prosecco called uh, Ribolla Gialla. I didn't know if you ever heard yeah. of it. It's an Italian Prosecco. Oh, you heard of it? Yeah. Well, it's okay. familiar. Yeah. The name's familiar. It's it's familiar, yes. It's a it's a very popular wine, and uh, the, the, the my favorite pairing is this type of prosecco with prosciutto, mm-hmm. especially if you can get uh, hand hand cut prosciutto. It's a uh, it's a delicious pairing. You you're going to melt after this. Okay, okay. And it is something that you can have, you know, on uh, on an evening. <laughs> you're liking the idea, I can tell. Uh, something that you can have, you know, on an evening after work and so on. But. Um, Talking about UX writing, <laughs> Catherine, <laughs> because that, I almost forgot. Like I almost forgot. Wine, wine. <laughs> really smooth. <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, uh, we were into the the wine conversation completely, and and uh, I really enjoyed speaking about that. Uh, talking about UX writing, so what what got you interested into into this, and how did you come to 
to to this knowledge mm. of of this profession uh, be, existing in the world? Yeah, well, for me, it was um, like many other people. It was really accidental. I had no idea that this was a thing. I was working in kind of customer service roles and I, I had this idea of getting into the tech industry because I could see, you know, maybe there's a lot of opportunity there. So I worked, uh, you know, customer support in a tech job. And when I left that role, I was kind of leaving in a huff and like you do, and I needed, mm. I needed work. I needed money. So I had a friend with a copywriting agency that actually, um, <laughs> back to the wines mm. conversation, it, uh, uh, we wrote, uh, descriptions for like luxury properties in like Italy and France. Okay. Yeah. So I got to do a lot of Googling go. about like, what's, what are these wine regions? And so I had to write these descriptions about, you know, what it would be like to sip wine on the patio above the pool, <laughs> above the ancient city. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I just discovered, I really loved copywriting. I was really good at it. It was just something that I could do. And I had never, I had never written for money before or considered it. But at that time I was like, okay, well, I know the tech industry needs better words. Cause you know, you see bad writing all over the place, terrible user experience all over the internet. Um, and I know that words can make a real difference and I want to marry these two, uh, two skills together. And I think I, I really created the job in my head before I connected with any kind of UX writing community or content strategy. Wow. Yeah. Or content strategy community. I was kind of calling it technical writing. I didn't even have the words to understand what it was I wanted to do. I, I just knew it was a thing a thing or could be a thing <laughs> in my heart. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of, uh, I, I started freelancing and, you know, building up clients and just taking any kind of like writing in the tech industry that I could manage. So, you know, blog posts, email campaigns, kind of like working together with my clients to, to do kind of a content marketing strategy. So I kind of came into it from the copywriting, you know, advertising angle, since that was my original, you know, portfolio of work were these beautiful uh, property descriptions. Um, and I just kept, you know, cracking away at it and like asking for more work and saying like, Hey, could I touch the UI? You know, a lot of small startups don't have a writer in-house at all. They have, you know, engineers, maybe a designer, maybe a product manager, but I like see. a writer is kind of one of the last roles that tends to spin up, um, on teams. So there's a lot of opportunity out there for freelancers to go after these smaller companies that can't afford an in-house writer yet, or can't justify it and get that freelance work, mm. like go do it. Yeah. I love it. That was a beautiful introduction of, um, of how you, how you switched your career and, you know, thanks, thanks for sharing this. I mean, um, a lot of people will acquire knowledge uh, from knowing this. And I just wanted to say um, on an additional note that uh, being able to, to, to network and explore things online will eventually let you discover um, things that are out there. I mean, what Catherine just shared about uh, 
uh, her making up <laughs> this new profession that she didn't even know the existence of. I mean, that, that, that says it all how much she was exploring in the period. She was really into the grind of, of uh, looking up things and, yeah. uh, and searching for work and, uh, and really just the, the whole exploration phase is, uh, is fascinating to me. Yeah, I did a lot of, of reading on Medium. So I knew that I wanted to get into writing on the interface, UX writing, content strategy, whatever. Um, and so I was, I was, I had a Medium subscription. I was reading, I was Googling, you know, how do you deal with errors? How do you do all this? You can, you can <laughs> learn so much from what's written online. And I think because this is such a, you know, baby nation profession so much of the information just available online there are books as well that are excellent um but you can really teach yourself um so much uh just by just by searching and joining communities um the content plus Mm -hmm. slack ux group is like my favorite community of all time so helpful slack yeah yeah. oh very powerful there is so many channels on 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 ux on slack that you you won't believe it there is literally hundreds yeah for jobs opportunities, for educational purposes, for uh, random random things, even memes. I mean, there is so oh, much. Yeah. Even on LinkedIn, there is LinkedIn groups on on UX. And it's such a. It's I think this. the content strategy and UX writing, you know, profession in general is just so welcoming and lovely. Like all of us kind of came here from very different areas, very different backgrounds, and uh, I just had this strong sense of like, oh, these are new people. <laughs> these are these are who <laughs> I want to hang out with. Um, they're generally people who are very thoughtful, very well-intentioned and, you know, uh, just committed to making the world friendlier and better. It is. Everybody wants to help each other. And that's why networking is um, a huge is a huge factor in your career because everybody is, is trying to help you. You just have to uh, be able to reach out to them and discover these people so they can help you. Right. Um, and that's one of the things that the beginners uh, contact me for. Um, they contact me asking me, uh, Alessio, how can I how can I meet uh, new designers, right? Uh, what can I do to network? And I always tell them, you know, go on Slack or go on LinkedIn and contact these people. You have to put uh, the effort and <clears throat> reach out to these people so you can network to the, uh, with them and uh, get tips out of them. Yeah, yeah. And I absolutely um, agree with all of that. I'm also, I do mentorship on ADP list. I don't know if you've mentioned that on your program before, but um, it stands for awesome design people list, which is so cute. <laughs> no way. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it does. Awesome design people. Whoa. Yeah. So you can, okay. you can go on and you can book mentorship sessions with, with UX professionals from a lot of like great companies and freelancers. Um, so I've both, you know, offered mentorship there and, and, gotten mentorship there. So if you're, if you're looking for that, I mean, it's just such a great idea. Cause I, I honestly, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. So I really, I did a lot like mm-hmm. by myself in a vacuum and I probably could have moved forward like way faster if I had had mentorship and like gone and, and found people in my industry a little bit sooner. Most definitely. Uh, what kind of courses and uh, free resources, uh, Catherine, do you suggest for people that uh, that are looking to uh, to begin in the in the UX writing field? I mean, you mentioned you know you can go on Medium, you can um, you can read articles on your own. 
But is there any particular place uh, that really, really helped you to shape yourself into the professional that you're now? Oh, man. I mean, that that's just so... I'm just such a mess of experiences <laughs> that are all, you know, so... Uh, <laughs> they're all interesting in their own way. And I think everything builds on... Um, on itself. Right. Uh, so I never took, <laughs> I never took a UX writing course. Um, there are many courses out there that are available. I can't, you know, recommend any particular one cause I've never, I've never been through them. Um, surely, you know, some courses are probably really helpful if you need that kind of structured learning environment, like go for it. Um, but yeah, I just, I found that I was able to piece together from work, from blogging that I did on the side, from just, you know, engaging with communities, somehow like it eventually all built up and I built mm. up a portfolio um, that was, you know, good enough to get me in the door at like um, one of the larger tech companies. Um yeah, yeah it, it's really a matter of how do you package all of your experience? Because like, if you, if you need me to tell you a story about why my theater degree makes me an awesome content strategist, like I will tell you that story. And like, yeah, talk, talk yeah. about that, please. I'm very curious. <laughs> I mean, and I guarantee that like everybody out there has that kind of story. Like I, I think everybody, everybody has such interesting, diverse backgrounds in this field. I mean, there's a lot of people who study journalism or English or, you know, all of those things that support just any writing career. Um, but, you know, I came from theater. So, you know, that background meant I was designing, I was managing large scale projects as a director. I was communicating about both like big vision and, you know, the tiniest details of how do you hold the pillow when you do this scene so that things don't fall apart. Um, you know, I, I see that kind of like collaborative work as, as fitting in so well with um, the work of a UX writer, which, you know, and my cat's trying to tell us things. Oh, sorry about that. Um, so it's okay. We love cats. We do. We do love cats, um, especially me. We do all love, love all the animals. All, all the animals of Dogs, the world. cats, uh, chimpanzees, everything. <laughs> I hope you don't you don't have a chimpanzee. No, no, that sounds horrible. Um, but yeah, I I I did so much work that was like profoundly collaborative and um, scrappy and, you know, unstructured in theater. You know, I, I worked with Annex Theater for many years in Seattle, Washington. They're the longest running fringe theater in the city. And um, it's just such a, there was such an ethic there of like, whoever shows up and does the work is the one who like gets their ideas put forward and like gets to do a show, right? So like you'll spend couple months out of the year doing your passion project, getting that produced. And the rest of the year, you'll be supporting others, whether it's house managing or sweeping up or cleaning toilets or <laughs> building sets. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was that level of, of collaboration. And I think in many ways, like different UX teams are all going to be at different levels of maturity. There are going to be different requirements of you um, based on, you know, just what's needed um, for, for whatever project. So that kind of willingness to jump in and the spirit of let's get it done, let's figure it out. Uh, I think it's mm -hmm. me really well. 
Yeah, I, I really like what you said about um, intercommunication and 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 developing your 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 skills uh, within your team. I think that's a that's a very important skill that everybody needs to develop um, throughout their career. How do you work uh, within departments? <clears throat> Being a UX writer, a content strategist, um, I believe you work um, you work with other departments as well, like um, departments like research or uh, visual design. Uh, or development, uh, who do you work with the most? Uh, good question. And it kind of depends on the structure of the team that you're on. Um, I mean, I always say like there, you can't really tell too much from a job title necessarily um, about what your day-to-day is going to be like as a UX writer or content strategist. Um, a lot is going to be dependent on especially the ratio of writers to designers, which is often quite dire. Um, you know, a mm. lot of a lot of roles out there are like you're the one and only UX writer, and you're going to be responsible for not only you know doing the writing but developing standards and documenting them and negotiating with marketing and with other teams to make sure that what you're doing is in line with the larger, you know, brand strategy. So a lot of what the day-to-day looks like is going to be very dependent on your, your team and um, how much support you have. So like right now I'm working in a group that is pretty close knit. So it's kind of a triad structure, but like extended triad. So we've got, you know, a designer who you'll work with very closely, a PM who you'll work with very closely as well. And a researcher, um, but often, you know, the writer's level of involvement is going to be really dependent on how many projects and how many designers are you supporting? Because the ideal will be you work just the same way as a designer. You're in every meeting, you're collaborating with research very closely. You are designing the questions that you want to answer. You're creating hierarchies and taxonomies and, you know, um, naming guides. You're also chatting with product marketing a lot to um, kind of make sure all your standards are in line. Um, but then there are other models on larger teams or, or smaller writing teams compared to the design team where you're kind mm-hmm. of a service provider, right? You've got office hours set up perhaps and people are coming in and out and you're giving kind of like a more lightweight level of service. So mm. what the collaboration looks like is just going to be heavily dependent on the workload, on the staffing and you know just how the company is approaching integrating UX writing with design. I see. And I think what you said also can be related to all types of um, departments of design. Mm-hmm. Um, even for myself that I work as a UX designer, um, it, it depends on really on the team that you're in, exactly like you said. And every time you could be involved in different projects and depending on the project that you're working in, you're going to be um, uh, communicating with, with, uh, with a specific department as an example, mm-hmm. myself sometimes I work with the with the back end development department because I need to um, I need to understand what data needs to be extrapolated from uh, certain areas of uh, whatever software we're working mm-hmm. for. Uh, but some other times I need to speak with um, with uh, with uh, some other people that have technical expertise such as uh, energy efficiency to to understand other sides of the software. So. You'll always be working in uh, in different um, with other with different departments um, in your career. Yeah. I'm always amused by the um, interview question of like, "What's your process?" It's like, 
Oh, well, it really depends. Like I can tell you about hmm. a process that happened. <laughs> um, I don't know. I always feel like it's, it's more scattered and less, um, less, less neat and tidy than, than you might think from the textbooks, you know? What do you mean by uh, less tidy? Like, like you're, you're talking about every time the process changes because it depends on the project. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I feel like stuff always comes up. Rarely are you fielding requests that are as simple as they seem at first blush, you know? <laughs> yeah. You can't believe it. You're saying mm, there, there, there is a catch here. Yes. It, yes. It can be so simple. The thing with UX writing is people are always coming to me being like, Oh, can you rewrite this headline? And I'm like, Oh no, my sweet summer child. Like we have so many more questions that are <laughs> implied by this screen. So I end up, you know, peppering them with tons of questions. So go to a UX writer if you want everything you you know to fall apart in front of you. <laughs> a good way. A good way. Uh, it's a good tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talk about Catherine, about um, about what people should do for their portfolios. You already mentioned a, a few ways uh, that uh, that people can uh, freelance and kind of build up their portfolio. But is there anything in particular that UX writers should focus on uh, when making a portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to be clear that like a good UX writing portfolio can absolutely include pieces that are not UX writing. Because um, I'll elaborate. Uh, you know, UX writing involves a lot of understanding your audience, a lot of, you know, tracking results and metrics, a lot of, you know, exploring alternatives and, you know, negotiating with uh, stakeholders. So if you have hmm. projects that aren't necessarily UX writing, maybe it's like a content strategy thing, you're doing marketing materials, that work can easily go in your UX writing portfolio as long as you're able to enumerate all of those awesome skills that, you know, I just mentioned, right? So if you're, you know, thinking about your audience, you know, show how you made choices with your words to, um, to take them into account. If you can expose that kind of thinking and strategy in your portfolio piece, like that is a valid UX writing portfolio piece. So um, yeah, other considerations mm -hmm. are, yeah, I think the, the why um, is much more important than the what. You know, how did you arrive at your decisions? Who did you work with? Um, what was that relationship like? Were there challenges you had to overcome? Were there concessions you had to make? Because a lot of the time, you know, your finished product might not really, you know, be a reflection of all of the negotiation and sweat and toil <laughs> that it took to get there. So making that visible in your portfolio should be like your number one priority. I would say like, but if you have two really deep case studies, feature those instead of like five or 10 projects with no explanation, right? That'll be much more powerful for you. Yes. I see. Your your job as a UX, as a, as a, as a person that wants to get hired as a UX writer is to uh, impress the people that are hiring and let them know uh, why you made certain decisions in the in the process of um, 
of your uh, previous uh, article or UX writing experience. Yeah. And that applies also to UX design, by the way, and service design. It is the same kind of approach. It is the not much the what, but more the why we have taken this approach mm-hmm. and how it helped us uh, improve the um, the goals in our project or um, improve our um, user experience overall. Yeah. And I think it's especially important for UX writing to, you know, make all of that invisible stuff visible um, because, you know, everybody thinks they're a writer. Everybody can kind of look at a button and be like, oh, you know, like I could do that. Um, mm. But it really takes having a UX writer on staff to understand like all of the different ways your words can really be misleading or, you know, maybe it doesn't translate or maybe it is, you know, too confusing or too high a reading level. Um, so all of these, all of these considerations are stuff that like designers aren't trained to handle. Like designers are really wonderful at what they do. Yeah. They make magic in Figma. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, all of the all of the stuff that comes behind UX writing is much deeper than you would expect. You know, it seems very simple to type something into a prototype, but the work we do is really it's really deep and important. And being able to expose that for hirers is going to um, set you up really well for getting that interview. And it we also we touch so much more than just just the words in an ideal like ux writer designer relationship we're kind of we're both designers um like on a recent project i was working on i was asked like hey can you um find the right labels for these controls in this very customizable thing and I was looking at this laundry list of controls and I was like, wow, we definitely don't have a labeling problem. We have an organization problem. We have a categorization problem. Mm. Um, And that many of the issues with the labels being confusing could be mitigated or resolved by categorizing these controls under understandable labels that are like consistent across the product. So having that kind of bird's eye view of like, how do we, how do we create consistency? How do we help people who may be novice users who have never interacted with this product before, um, find what they need immediately. Um, that's kind of what we, what we really focus on is, you know, it it can be so easy when you've been pushing pixels for so long on this project (laughs) to be so close to it that it's like, oh, of course, everybody understands what each of these components I have lovingly crafted uh, means and (laughs) does. Um, But a UX writer can really come in and and reality check that, um, that impulse. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, on top of what you said, lately I was taking some IDF courses on uh, UI patterns and and overall patterns for uh, dashboards designs. And one of the things that I noticed that would really um, <clears throat> that would really uh, press you on was the uh, was the content writing. So it was uh, being concise when uh, categorizing. Mm-hmm. In, when categorizing uh, the uh, things in the in the page structure and uh, labeling and um, and editable fields, so how do you talk to the user in a way that he understands what he needs to do and he knows what he's going to see next when clicking on a certain we're clicking in a certain area? They're really making that uh, as a as a critical part 
uh, of dashboard designs. Yeah, absolutely. Just asking the question, like, where does this link go to actually? What happens next? And do the words align with that? I found that you you really can't take anything for granted because everybody has kind of a different idea in their mind of like what words make sense here. So really digging in and understanding the journey of where people are coming from and where they're going to can really help you make better, more contextual decisions about, about words. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Catherine, uh, what do you think about the overall profession as it is right now in 2021? Is it still um, a good career to begin uh, content strategy? Absolutely. Do it. Do what I did. Um, I recommend my life choices. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I yeah, I absolutely think it's a, it's a great field to be in. Um, there is so much opportunity right now. Um, it, I know it, there's a hump definitely like where it's, it's hard. It can be hard to get that first job, right. As a UX writer, because so many companies are looking for somebody who already has that experience. And it's like, well, how do I, how do I get the experience? <laughs> I can't get that first job. Um, so like that obviously can be a challenge, but like once you break through and you have been working in the field for a while on teams, like then the world is really your oyster. There's so much need for this job. I think companies are really catching on. Um, I think it's been compared. Some people have said, you know, UX writing is where UX research was like five years ago. So we're kind of Hmm. up and coming. It's been growing. Um, I know like the content strategy team at Facebook like started in 2009 and basically has just like doubled nearly every year since. Um, so I think there's just increasing awareness and, um, and I mean, frankly, like you can make such good money as a writer, at least in the States. Um, where else can you take your liberal arts degree? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, yeah, I can say like, for sure. If you love solving problems and you love, um, words and cats, obviously, um, if you love words and you love working with people together and negotiating, um, you know, conflict sometimes and, uh, and, uh, differing opinions, if you're good at that kind of management, um, absolutely. You should look into it. It's, it's very future sprite. Definitely. Definitely. And, um, I'm very, I'm very glad that you shared that with us. Uh, it seems like um, a very exciting field to to get into. Me as well. When I first got into UX design, um, I didn't really know what I was going to do on a daily basis. And when I started, I I was blown away by the things that I was doing every day. I was working on uh, various projects, um, and they were all different from each other. You're going to love this field. Uh, it brings so many uh, exciting opportunities in your life. Um, do you have any final tips for uh, people that uh, want to make these, uh, this career change? Um, you already mentioned a few good ones, uh, articles on Medium, uh, getting freelance work out there to build your own portfolio. Anything else that you think we have kind of missed? Yeah, um, I mean, I think the most important part is, is the mindset I think it can be really hard for, for women, especially who want to change careers to, you know, think of themselves as qualified 
And it's especially hard when, you know, all the entry-level jobs are quote unquote entry-level are asking for Mm -hmm. so many years of experience, right? But like the fact is everybody tries new things for the first time at some point and then they have some knowledge and they have some ability. So like if you get started and, you know, do some projects, put them in your portfolio, grab up freelance clients. You can be honest and say, you know, this is how much experience I have. I'm leaning into this career path. I'd love to offer you some help with this UX problem that I see you have. Um, there's, there's nothing wrong with making that offer and just having building the confidence to say, yeah, like I'm going to try this. And then your practice just gets built slowly over time. Like you keep adding new tools to your toolbox. And then you look back on yourself, you know, from two years ago or three years ago, and you're like, oh, wow, I I know so much more. So it's just a really, it's a gradual process and it's okay to feel like totally out of your depth. I mean, you know, I, I'm meeting new content strategists these days in my job and I'm like, oh, I'm out of my depth. And that's like a healthy Mm -hmm. feeling. It's a great feeling. Um, and just, you know, don't don't let recruiters make you feel bad about like (laughs) not having that (laughs) experience yet. Cause you know, whatever, like they, they got into recruiting somehow they were beginners one. Yeah. yeah. If they did it, why can't we do it? Yeah. That is true. You have the right to be here and you have the right to make a change and represent yourself as a UX writer if that's what your what your passion is. It is, it is. Build your confidence, build your portfolio. Meet a ton of people and I'm sure you will get a good job. Yeah, everybody's learning too. Like you never stop learning, learning. So yeah. I like to say that. Every day is a learning day, and we're always learning anything. There is three learnings there. Yeah, that's a good motto. Yeah, we're always learning. <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect motto. <laughs> yeah, thanks uh, for joining Users First, Catherine. I had a superb time speaking with you today. It was uh, it was very very nice to meet you. Yeah, and you know I really hope our listeners will uh, acquire some knowledge out of this. And you know if they wanted to contact you. How can they get in touch with you besides ADP? Oh, sure. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Catherine Karras around. Um, yeah, I love I love connecting with folks. Um, and yeah, ADP list as well. Although I'm booked out pretty far. Um, things are busy, but um, I'd still love to connect with you. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Users First. With my podcast, I really want to include all types of professions related to design, and UX writing is one of those. Stay tuned for the next episodes, as we're going to have quite fascinating people coming over. In the month of August, we're going to have another two episodes, one related to service design, explaining what service design is, what the approaches of service design are, and how service design affects large corporations as well as um, an episode on how uh, design systems work and why companies should take into consideration um, implementing design systems. 